0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: The 2 footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geoblocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC player to watch match of the day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five star ratings across the board. So go to LibertyShield.com right now. Use the code EPL25 and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router. And any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that. To the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package which is instantly downloadable to your device and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. It's Good Boys and Girls Two-Footed Podcast. Today is Friday. It is the 12th of January. Hope you're all well. It's a little chilly outside today. Not a fan, but, you know, we'll stay inside with the heat on. Um We only have five games in the Premier League this weekend. So we'll have Guy after the second break and we'll run through those. Before that, I thought we'd have a look at the international tournaments that are getting started Today and tomorrow. So today, the Asian Cup kicks off. And this one obviously flies a little bit under the radar, especially when it's on at the same time as the AFCON. It doesn't have the same gravitas as AFCON. The level of competition isn't as good as AFCON. But we do have 24 teams taking part. So let's have a quick gander and see who's where. Uh, Group A will be Host Qatar along with China, Tajikistan, and Lebanon. I have to admit, I don't think I could name a single player from any of the four teams. Group B is Australia, Uzbekistan, India, and Syria. Now, if Australia and India were playing in cricket, there would be global interest. But in football, probably less so. But there's still some good players in that Australian squad, and we'll come back to them. Uh, Group C: Iran, United Arab Emirates, Hong Kong, and Palestine. What a tough time it must be for the Palestinians to be going and taking part in this competition, given what's been done to their people in their homeland. Um, I, I think most of the you know most of the world will at least throw a throw an eye on them and, and hope that they can at least, you know, hold their own. Maybe pick up some points. I, I, I don't think they're likely to get out of the group. I think Iran and United Arab Emirates are, are too strong. But perchance they can finish above Hong Kong, which would be a, a big achievement and potentially then find their way into the knockout phase. Like, I think most... Even minded people, including even minded Jewish people, are very much in support of Palestine in terms of what's going on. It is only the Zionist front um, that won't be. So, you know. Uh, Group D, Japan, Indonesia, Iraq, and Vietnam. Japan and Iraq, probably the two favorites to get through there. Group E, South Korea, Malaysia, Jordan, and Beiran. Malaysia, Jordan, and Buran playing be runners runners-up behind South Korea. And then in Group F, it is Saudi Arabia, Thailand, Kyrgyzstan, and Oman. You'd imagine the Saudis are, are strong favorites to win that group. The top two from each group advance, and then the four best runners-up. And then that will give us our round of 16, and then there'll be quarterfinal, semifinals, final and I assume a third and fourth place. There is no third and fourth place playoff. There's no third and fourth place playoff. Um, let's have a look at the squads and see who pops out. Obviously Qatar ha- hosted the World Cup and some of their players got some experience playing at that high level. There's obviously a few players that have nationalized and become Qatari. But um, couple of Brazilian born players that moved there to play and ended up nationalizing and their entire squad it's notable plays in their own domestic league uh, which is also the case for the Chinese who also have uh, at least one that I can see nationalized player Tyus Browning born in Liverpool to a mother of Cantonese descent to be fair and um, was in the Everton Academy. Played seven league games for Everton. I don't remember him. Uh, played for Wigan, Preston, Sunderland. Is he always the highest? I should remember him. It's not that long ago. He played for Sunderland in 2018. Uh, then he moved to China in 2019. Played for Guangzhou before uh, Evergrande went bankrupt and that whole club just sort of fell apart and got relegated having dominated Chinese football and Asian football in many ways uh, they now play in the second tier of Chinese football and now he plays for Shanghai Port he was in England I have to remember that he was an England 21 player and he now has 21 caps for China fair play I think that's really really cool and he has a legitimate reason to play for China because it's it's his heritage. So congrats to him. Um, I don't think any of these other players are in any way familiar to me. We do have one player actually playing outside of China. Uh, Wu Xiaokong playing in Turkey, central defender, owned by Istanbul Bashiksher. Everyone else based in China. Uh Tajikistan, I definitely don't know any of these players, so we won't even bother. Lebanon definitely don't know any of these players, so we'll move on. The Aussies, obviously, Matt Ryan is there. Uh, you've got Nathaniel Atkinson and Kyle Rose of Hearts, you've got Martin Boyle of Hibbs, uh, Samuel Silvera of Middlesbrough, Connor Metcalf is in the squad. Marco is in the squad of Celtic, uh, Riley McGree of Middlesbrough, Canu Bacchus of Saint Mirren, Harry Souter of Leicester City, Lewis Miller of Hibbs, Cameron Burgess of Ipswich, and Gethin Jones of Bolton, who I have to imagine is of Welsh descent. Gethin Wyn Jones, definitely of Welsh descent. Yeah he's, yeah, he's of Welsh descent. Um, former Youth International for Wales, despite being born in Perth. Moved to Wales. So I'm assuming Warner both parents was Welsh. Moved to Wales when he was young. Uh, was in the Wrexham Academy for a year, then moved to the Everton Academy and was with Everton up until 2018. Never played for their first team. Uh, now at Bolton and... Uh, an australian international so congrats to him um uzbekistan probably not Oh, okushinov i do know kushinov plays for lens okay so that's one so congrats to me on that um Fazulov, I also know, the young winger at CSKA Moscow. He is being talked up as potentially one of the next breakout stars of the Russian Premier League. Uh, moving on to Syria, I have doubts that I'll know any of these. Notable that there are three Argentine-based players in the Syrian squad uh, Ibrahim Hesar pay, plays for Belgrano, um, born in Argentina. He's of Syrian and Lebanese descent. Okay. Uh, Jalil Elias, obviously uh, of Syrian descent. He is born in Rosario, Argentina, and plays for San Lorenzo or did play for San Lorenzo, seems to have left. Um, And Ezekiel Ham, who's actually Alessio Ezekiel Nayam Ham, born in Buenos Aires, but has a Syrian grandfather. So that makes a lot more sense. Now, um, India, all home-based players, none of them. Igor Stimach is the manager though. I didn't realise that. That's who he was managing now. So you get to learn something new. Uh not you, me, you probably knew. Uh Iran. Obviously, some well known players here. Johan Bakash, Taremi, Godes, uh, of Brentford, um, Sader Osman of Roma. Mohibi of Rostov is there too. There's a couple of boys from AEK Athens. Pretty strong squad. They'll be expecting to do well. They'll be expecting to go far in the competition. Uh, The UAE, all home-based players, and none of them that I know anything about. Uh, Hong Kong. Sean C uh, plays for Northern Premier League Premier Division Club Radcliffe, there is Vas Nunes who's based in China. There's a player based in Germany, another based in China, another based in China a guy called Matt Orr. Um, hmm. New Zealand father, Chinese mother graduate of the Canadian International School and holds a Norwegian or a New Zealand passport. Um, seems to have lived in, in America for quite a while, went to college in America, went to an academy in America as well, uh, IMG Academy in Florida, which is best known for producing basketball players. Um, Palestine players gathered from here, there and everywhere. Um a couple playing in Israel, one playing in Sweden, uh, one playing in Indonesia. We've got a player in Thailand. We've got a player there in Belgium. A player in Chile, Camilo Saldana. Born in Chile, plays for Palestine. And then finally we have one based in Azerbaijan. And the rest are home base, but I don't know who any of them are. Uh, the Japanese, then, they'll have a strong squad because they're one of the preeminent powers in Asian football. So you've got Sugawara of Azad Alkmaar. Itakura of Gladbach. Marita of Sporting. Endo from Liverpool. Matoma. I don't know why he's in the squad. He's injured. You've got Taki Minamino. Ritsu Duan. he's a good player. Uh, Keito Nakamura, he's a good player. Junior Ito, he's a good player. Rio Hetete of Celtic is very, very good. and Maeda of Celtic is very good. Yuto Nakayama of Huddersfield, he's a decent player. couple that aren't in it that I'm a bit surprised by. Um, the kid at Coventry, I thought, would be in it. Hang on. Almost certain Coventry City have a Japanese player who was very impressive the last time I watched him play. Yeah, Sakamoto. Only two caps. Doesn't seem to be in any way uh, a regular in the squad. He's a very talented player from from what I saw. And he is 27 as well. So, yeah, that's weird. Um, Thought he would have would have been in the squad, just shows my ignorance to it. Um, Zion Suzuki is in the squad, he's the goalkeeper that turned down United in the summer. Um, because he wanted to go somewhere and play regularly, he's been loaned to Centruden Saint-Tru- in Belgium. He's very, very promising, only 21. He's one to keep an eye on. Um Ito of Stuttgart is there. Kubu Kubo of uh, Real Sociedad, obviously probably the star name in the squad, along with Matoma. If Matoma was fit, those two either flank would be pretty terrifying. And then you've got obviously Tomiyasu of Arsenal in the squad as well. Elkin Baggett of Ipswich is the only player I know in the Indonesian squad. Don't know Sandy Walsh. Don't think I know oh Justin Hubner of of Wolves is there as well. um the Iraqis let's see Al ha- Alhamadi of Wimbledon' got a few players based in Sweden, one in Norway. Imagine the culture shock of moving from Iraq where it's it's hotter than it is on the sun to Norway. Don't fancy that at all now, personally. Uh, The Vietnamese, they're all home-based as well. Don't know any of them. South Korea, they'll have a strong squad. Obviously, Kim Min-jae and Sun Hyung-min, the two star names. Hwang Hee-chan also in that squad. Uh, Lee Kang-in of PSG. O of Celtic. And Kim of Brentford B. A uh, pretty strong squad. The Japanese thus far looking like comfortably the strongest. Um, don't know any of the Malaysian players now, to be totally honest. Uh, all home base, Bar 2. One plays in Thailand, Dion Cools. And then Junior Elstal, which sounds kind of Swedish. Um, he is based in Indonesia. Oh, there we go. His father's from Sweden. Um, Jordan. Not going to know any of those players. Not even going to bother. Uh, Bahrain. it'll be the same thing. Don't know any Bahrainese players. Bahrainese. I think it's Behranese. Um Or Behrani? I'm not sure. Let me know. Saudi Arabia, obviously all home-based players. They're making a big push to keep them all domestically to try and grow the national team while while developing the Saudi Pro League. Um these would be the non plumbers and school teachers uh, of the of the Saudi ranks in the Saudi Pro League. Uh, Thailand don't know any of those players. Not one of them. Nicholas M- Mickelson, Norwegian under twenty one international, who declared for Thailand. Um, born and raised in in Norway. Played in Norway, now plays in Denmark for Obi Odense. Um, Kazakhstan, no. Oman, no. That's it. That's what we've got. We've got a 39-year-old player, uh, Suerak. The he's a a Thai goalkeeper. He's the oldest player in the tournament and the youngest is Almaz Bekov of Kyrgyzstan, who's 18. Hmm, a couple of 39-year-olds. Got some interesting managers as well, like Branko Ivankovic is there. He's managing Oman. Imagine getting paid quite well. Stefan Tarkovic is there managing Kyrgyzstan. Roberto Mancini, obviously, is manager of the Saudis. Juan Antonio Pizzi, who's a decent player back in the day, he's manager of Bayram. Jurgen Klinsmann is manager of South Korea. That's one. Yeah, Joran Anderson. Johan Anderson is manager of Hong Kong. Paolo Bento was manager of the UAE. Igor Stimac, like I said earlier, manager of. Uh, of India. Hector Cooper is manager of Syria. Alexander Yankovic is manager of China. And Tintin Marquez, um, manager of Qatar. The managers are actually more interesting to me than the players. So that competition kicks off today. Um, and look, it, it's a lot of unknown, but that kind of makes it fun. It kind of reminds me of like when we'd watch a World Cup back in the 90s and you wouldn't know a lot of the players because you'd never have seen them because the internet wasn't a thing for normal Joe Soap. So you had no idea of finding out who these players were. So you'd see them in a World Cup and then you might never see them again. And there'd just be some random player that'd stick in your head for three years. And you'd convince yourself, that's the guy my club should buy. He was brilliant in the World Cup. Now, remember, I'm talking about the logic of an 8- or 12-year-old here. You'd be convinced of some fella. And then years later, when you had access to the internet, you'd look him up and find that he was like a really mediocre journeyman who just had one really good tournament where he played well for three games as his team bombed out in the group stage. Um yeah so today Qatar take on Lebanon is that our only game for today that is our only game for today Qatar versus Lebanon and then it really kicks off tomorrow uh China versus Tajikistan Australia versus India Uzbekistan versus Syria and on we go from there um Moving on to the AFCON then. It starts tomorrow in the Ivory Coast. And... Here we go. So, Group A, Ivory Coast, Nigeria, Equatorial Guinea, and Guinea-Bissau. That's a pretty tough group. Uh, Group B, Egypt, Ghana, Cape Verde and Mozambique. Group C, Senegal, Cameroon, Guinea, and Gambia. That's a tough one. Uh, Group D, Algeria, Burkina Faso, Mauritania, and Angola. Group E, Tunisia, Mali, South Africa, and Namibia. And Group F, Morocco, Congo, Zambia, and Tanzania. Like with the Asian Cup, Top two teams from each group go through, and then four of the six runners-up. Uh, we will have then round of 16, quarterfinals, semifinals. There will be a third and fourth place playoff in this one, and obviously a final, most importantly. So let's have a look at the squads and see what's what. Uh, Ivory Coast, they're always going to be strong. Uh, Usman Diamande, uh, Wilfred Singo, Odlin Kasuno of Bayer Leverkusen. Frank Kessie's in the squad. Jonathan Bamba's in the squad. You've got Willie Bully. You've got Jeremy Boga. Kareem Kanate. Serge Aurier. Ibrahim Sanger. Nicola Pepe. Christian Kwame. Evan and Dicka, Sebastian Hilar. Simon Addinger. It's A loaded, loaded squad. No Wilf Zaha, though. In the Ivory Coast squad I don't know if he's not making himself Available or what the situation is but Still loaded with talent uh, Nigeria who I saw someone list some of the Players that could have played for them uh, Like Saka, Musiala if, if Nigeria could have all the players that Had Nigerian heritage they would Probably dominate world football um, No Victor Boniface which is a huge blow For them uh, but they could call up Terem Moffi, who's a really good forward in his own right. So not too bad. You've got Ola Aina, You've got Zanussi from Porto. Semi-Aj from West Brom. Frank Onyeka. Obviously, Victor Ossiman. Joe Aribo, Samuel Chokwezi. Bright Osei Samuel. Kalechi Iannaccio. Moses Simon. Surprising that he's the captain, to be honest. Alex Iwobi. Adamola Luckman. Paul Onu. Onuachu of um Southampton on loan at Trabzon Sport. You've got Calvin Bassi in this squad and Raphael on as well. So really strong squad for the Nigerians. Um Equatorial Guinea. Not overly familiar with many of these. Charles Ondo, I know he's at Huddersfield. Um that's about my lot that I would be in Anyway, really familiar with. Uh, Guinea Basu. Um, Jew, the young set, the young striker from Mittaljand, he's very, very highly regarded. Um, so keep an eye for him. Carlos Mendez Gomez of Bolton, Mama Balde of Leon, Opus and Gante, who I only know he plays for Dunkirk in the second division in France. The only reason I know who he is or have any knowledge of him is I watched them once to see Billy Cometio play, I and then mean, Cometio didn't even play. So, um, yeah, Edgar Lee is in that squad and I don't know if people remember Edgar Lee, but he was super highly rated once upon a time. Like, he was going to be the next great right back many years ago. He was at Sporting and Barca nicked him out of the Sporting Academy. And he spent three years playing for Barca. Sabine. he looked like an absolute monster in the making. He never made the first team grade. Went to Villarreal. Couldn't make the first team there. He bounced around a little bit. Played for Leon for a couple, a uh, rather, for a couple of years. Played for Trabzonspor for a couple of years. Was actually decent enough there. Then he was on loan at Feyenoord. Now he's with Istanbul Bishikshir. Um He was heavily capped through the underage ranks with portugal only made one senior appearance hasn't played international football in six years did have a torn acl which caused him to miss quite a bit of time but um he declared for guinea basu last year and is is now in the squad he has a brother Edelinho, um who's kind of a, a journeyman was also in the sporting academy he has never played for the national team. Um, there's a guy called Zay Turbo, Jose Correa, known as Zay Turbo. I am officially throwing my lot behind this fella. Uh, he's 27. He plays in the Russian Premier League for Paris NN. He was on the books of Sporting and Inter Milan, never made the grade at either of them. Played for Newell's Old Boys for a brief period of time. Spent some time in, in Paraguay with Nacional. Then he went to Switzerland and played there for a while. Looks like he played in China as well. He played in China, played in Qatar, and now he's in Russia. Um, we're throwing our lot behind this. Zay Turbo is magnificent. I hope he's really slow. I genuinely want him to be Really slow. Um on to Egypt. Obviously, the star name is Salah. But you've got Koka there, he's pretty decent. You've got Higazi there, he's pretty decent. El Neni, he always turns up for Egypt. Uh, Mustafa Mohamed is quite good. Omar Mar- Marmoush, I do like as well. Um not a not a squad rife with talent. Let's just put it that way. Salah's going to have his work cut out to try and drag that team beyond the round of 16. Uh, Ghana, they've got plenty of talent, uh, but they do also have Dennis Odoi. Um, Mohamed Salisu of Monaco finally decided to throw his lot in with the national team. Took him a while. Um, Jordan Ayou, Andre Ayou. You've got Joseph Pansil. Daniel Marty, Inaki Williams, Mohamed Kudus, Salis Abdul-Semed, Ernest Nuama, Alexander Jig. Do you know, um, and Antoine Semeny. as I look at that, a lot of the talent has actually just been left out. Either injured or potentially just not in favour with this manager. Um, Kate Verdi, Roberto Lopez, I know he plays for Shamrock Rovers. Uh, Jovan Cabral for San Lutana, Brian Teixeira Sturm Graz he's decent Uh, Bebe should all remember Bebe once played for Manchester United Alex Ferguson spent 7 million pounds on him and then admitted he'd never seen him play he turned out to not be very good Uh, Mozambique don't know any of those players. Oh, I do. Katamo, the wing-back from Sporting. He's the only one. There's a guy who goes by just Shaquille. So we're throwing our lot in with him. as He's a defensive midfielder. He's my kind of guy. We're throwing our lot in with him as well. Best of luck to Shaquille and Ziterbo. Um I really want him to be slow. Uh, Senegal. Alfred Gomez, Idris Gay, Nicholas Jackson, uh, Cheku Kayate, Fodou Balo Pape Matar Sar, Eduard Mende, obviously, Sadio Mane is there as well. Uh, Habib Diallo is quite good. Pape Gay of Marseille is good. Lamine Camara of Metz, really, really, really promising one to keep an eye on. Uh, Abdoulaye Njai of Troy's also another to keep an eye on. Ishmael Asar is in the squad. Ilman Njai is in the squad. Ishmael Jacobs. This is a really good squad. Really, really good squad. Lamin Kamara, though, he's just one to keep an eye on. I think he's got a, he's got a chance to be mm-hmm. very, very good. He can do a bit of everything. But set pieces especially, really, really good. Um, and then Jai, he's another one. He was at Leon for years. Uh, he's now playing for Troyes and playing well. So do keep an eye on him. Cameroon, uh, you've got Christopher Wu of Rennes, very good defender. You've got Zambo Nguisa. Uh, Frank Magri of Toulouse is promising. Um, Benjamin Elliott of Reading. They do, unfortunately, have Andre Onana, but it looks like he might miss a game or two, so that's a boost for them. Uh, for Guinea, Naby Keita, obviously. Uh, Iliak's Mariba, whose career has just gone completely sidewards at club level, but he's still more than young enough to get it back on track. Uh, Mukhtar Diakabi of Valencia is a good defender. Uh, Serhu Garassi, linked to everybody at the moment, is quite good. Kareem Cisse of Sandetian is a good midfielder. Yeah, it's a pretty decent squad, to be fair to them. Gambia, Omar Colley, Musa Barrow, I still don't understand his decision to go and play in the Saudi Pro League for Al Tuan. Like, he... When he was first... Making his way at Bologna, he looked like a player that could go on and play for a top club. Now, he did lose his way a little bit. Um, he took the death of Sunisa Mihailovic, Mihailovic very, very hard. And I, I guess that might be part of what threw him off, but he's far too good and he's far too young at 25. We were wasting his career in the Saudi Pro League. Um, Jacob Mendy of Wrexham. Yankouba Minta, owned by Newcastle on loan of Feyenoord. He's quite good as well. Uh, on to Algeria in Group D. Isa mandy has been, been knocking around for years. He's fairly average. Uh, Zaruki of Feyenoord looks good. Um, Hafsi Mauer is playing for, for them now. Um, now that he plays for Roma. Reynit Nuri, obviously. Know who's not on the squad, and I thought he would be. Oh, he's injured. I mean is not in the squad because he's injured. I mean Guri is super talented, super, super talented. I he I think Wolves should try and get hold of him. I think he'd fit so well on their front three. Um, Yusuf Atal. Currently not allowed play for his club side for showing support for Palestine. Um, and he had to go through a court case as well for daring to stand up against, you know, things like genocide and that. But uh he's playing in the uh, for his national team. Ben Sabiani, it's a strong Yasir LaRouche is in the squad, it's a strong squad for Algeria, it really is. Uh Burkina Faso. Keep an eye out for Adamo Nagalo. Uh, centre-back plays for Nordelsjand. He's come through the right-to-dream passage. Um, born in Ivory Coast, but of Burkina Faso stock, he really does look a player. Um, Gibrel Oatara is in the squad. Dango Oatara is in the squad. Edmund Topsapa is in the squad. Issa Kabure. Bertrand Traore, I mean, he's been injured all season. Maybe he wasn't injured at all. Uh, Mohamed Kanata is another one to keep an eye out for. He's pretty good. Yeah, Mauritania, I, I, I genuinely don't know any of their players. I uh, have significant doubts. I don't know any of the Angola players either. Um, I do like how many of the Angola players just have the, the one name rather than you know going by their full name. They just go by one. Uh, Zinni, Kadu, Toe Estrella, Niblu, Show Depu. like that. Good stuff. Uh, Tunisia. Anise Ben-Slamine of Sheffield United. I'm sure there's someone else in that squad. That I they should know anyway. Oh, uh, Elia Skiri is in the squad. He's a good player good defensive midfielder. Jan Valery, formerly of Southampton, he's in the squad too. Uh Mali, you've got Hamari Traore, you've got Amadou Haidera, Boubacar Koyata, he's pretty good. You've got Yves Basuma, Mohamed Kamara, Moussa Diara, I think on, on Senegal did I miss Papi Matar-Sar, I must have done. Um, Seku Koita, you've got Adama Traore, not the one at Fulham, the one at Hull. Boubacar Traore's in the squad. That's a pretty strong squad, to be fair. Mali have produced some really good players over the last decade or so, especially in midfield. Uh, South Africa. Percy Tau, I know. He's a bit it, to be honest. Mostly a home-based squad. Namibia, don't know any of them. Genuinely. Morocco, always have a strong squad. You've got Hakimi, you've got Mazraoui, you've got Amrabat, you've got Agard, you've got Romain Saiz, you've got Hakeem uh Onahi, you've got Amin Haraf, um, Al-Azuzi is in the squad, Amal is in the squad, Abde is in the squad. There's so much talent here. Eze Abde, one of the most exciting young players in Europe. Uh, Alasusi, one of the best young defensive midfielders doing the rounds, one to very much keep an eye on. Uh, he's with Bologna now, having previously been with um, Union St. Gillo, Jaloa, Jaloua, whatever it is. Um, very, very good player. Uh, Alcunas is in the squad. He's super talented. And getting him was a huge, huge thing because Belgium were like desperate for him to declare for them, having been born in Belgium. But he decided to declare for Morocco. And I think he's going to be a star. He won't be with Genk for much longer. Uh, Chaddy Riyad is another big, big talent there. There's a lot of talent in that Moroccan squad. They'll be definitely one of the contenders to win this thing. Um, Democratic Republic of Congo... Uh, you've got Grady D'Angana of West Brom. Cedric Bakumbo is in the squad. Johan uh, Weiss is in the squad. Chancellor Mbemba. And Simon Banz is in the squad. He's playing well for Braga at the moment. Um, Zambia. Uh, I think this might be a no. Oh, Pats and Daka, obviously. Pats and Daka, obviously. Um, I mean they were very, very unfortunate with um the Brighton player who had to retire. the player I can't I remember his name. Enoch Mwepu. Very very unfortunate. Like he him and Daka were their two big stars. And obviously for Brighton as well to lose Mwepu the way they did. Um, because he had to retire with his heart condition. Really really tough. But as I had hoped would happen Mwepu has gone into the Brighton Academy and um, he was coaching during the nines. I don't know what, what age group he's coaching now but um, great that he's decided to stay in the game and hopefully, um, hopefully he goes on to have a good coaching career. I'm looking forward to AFCON, I have to say. I am looking forward to AFCON. So, uh, very quickly, we'll find the first games. Uh, Ivory Coast versus Guinea-Bissau is the game tomorrow. Then on Sunday, we get Nigeria versus Equatorial Guinea, Egypt versus Mozambique, and Ghana versus Cape Verde. So there you go. Right. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We'll run through the news and gossip. Then there'll be another break and then we'll have Guy. So I'll see you after this. Right. Welcome back. So uh, we'll just quickly do the news and gossip. We'll jump to another break and then we'll have Guy. Um, Maurizio Pochettino says he is worried by Christopher Nkunku's injury setback. He said it's not the same injury as before. It's his hip rather than his knee. But it is something that they're going to have to work uh, to to monitor, and that it will be between eight and ten days before he's able to train again. So he was so close to feeling comfortable again. He started the game against Crystal Palace. He'd obviously played quite well as well. He scored against Wolves. He was playing well in that game against Palace. Um, but then he had the hip injury in training and missed out on the games against Preston and Middlesbrough. Hopefully hopefully he's not out too long because he's a really good player and we should all want him playing football because he's great to watch. Uh, Jolington is set to miss six weeks with a thigh injury. for injury plagued Newcastle United. He hurt his quad in the game against Sunderland. And there's obviously just, this is fatigue and being overused coming into play here. Um, Ange Postacoglu has said Timo Werner is a different player to the one that struggled at Chelsea Um what happened in the past is not relevant, I don't look too much into that I'm looking at what he can give us today not what happened 3 or 4 years ago I dare to suggest he's a different player certainly a different person, we all evolve he's more mature, probably a different stage of his life, that's all fair but I, I did watch him a bit for Leipzig and he looked kind of the same player he was at Chelsea and not like the player he was at Leipzig first time. But Ange is brilliant at getting the best of the forward players. So if anyone's going to make it work, I think it'll be him. Eric Ten Hag says that Anthony has been affected by off the field issues and that's why his form has been so bad. The poor fella must have been affected by off field injuries since the moment he signed for United. Is he has been dreadful, utterly dreadful since joining Manchester United. He has no goals or assists in 21 appearances this season. Dreadful. He's obviously facing multiple allegations. And while it's very easy for Ten Hag to say, oh, well, he's affected by these off-field allegations... You knew about one of them, at least, before you signed him. So, you know, nobody really to blame other than Eric Ten Hag. Uh, Ian Matson has completed his loan move to Borussia Dortmund. Uh, it's a loan with no option to buy. He signed a contract extension, but it does have a buyout. And Dortmund get first option. If they decide to, to buy him, they'll get priority treatment or whatever. Um, I hope he does really well. I think he's an outstanding young player. Very excited to see what him and Sancho looks like together. Uh, I do think Chelsea probably regret turning down the near £32 million bid, or I think he might have turned down the move. Either way, I'd imagine there's some regret there, certainly from Chelsea, maybe not from, from Matson. Why Old Trafford no longer holds a fear factor? <laughs> that, that's a real a real headline on the BBC website. The answer is, because United are not very good. That's the answer. Uh, Barcelona beat Osasuna to set up a Spanish Super Cup final against Real Madrid. Lewandowski and Lamal Le scored the goals. Seems like they made tougher work of it than it needed to be. On to the gossip. Chelsea are interested in Evan Ferguson, but Brighton will demand in excess of 100 million to sign. They'll demand more than that. Manchester United are watching the progress of Ajax and Netherlands striker Brian Broby. Average. Average. Senior figures at Real Madrid believe the club should sign Victor Ossiman rather than Kylian Mbappe. Now, I could go along with that line of thinking, but Steve K does not know what senior figures at Real Madrid are thinking. Steve K doesn't know what senior figures in his own household are thinking, let alone anybody at Real Madrid. Everton won 60 million for Amadou Onana, but Arsenal would have to sell someone first to be able to afford him. Everton are not selling Onana in this window. That is just something you can put to bed. Saudi Arabian club Al-Halal have made contact with Aston Villa over the potential signing of Luka I don't think Villa let him go at this stage. He's also out injured. Um, Brentford and Nigeria midfielder Frank Onyeka is wanted by Everton, Fulham and a number of clubs overseas and is expected to be allowed leave on loan. Fair enough. Arsenal are admirers of Bologna and Netherlands under-21 striker Joshua He When he was coming out of the Byron Academy. He was like as highly rated as any young player around. Didn't really work from a Byron. Went on loan to Parma. It was a disaster. Had a good loan with Anderlecht. Under company, I think. And then joined Bologna summer 2022. Wasn't great last season, but he's been quite good this season. Um, starting to look like he might become a bit of a player. 22, so turns 23 before the end of the season. So the next two years are probably going to be vital for him. Don't think Arsenal would be the right move. West Ham are tracking Santiago Jimenez, who is valued at 30 million. That would be a great signing for West Ham. Genuinely a great signing for West Ham. West Ham and Crystal Palace are interested in Jack Clark. Yeah, he'd fit at West Ham. (laughs) He'd fit at West Ham if Bowen is the nine. If Bowen is moving back into midfield because West Ham were were buying someone like Jimenez, then Palace would make more sense for him. Even though, obviously, West Ham is the bigger club. He'd get more game time at Palace. Burnley are looking into a deal for David Datra. Vanna looks like that one will happen. Leon are pushing hard to sign Arnaud Danjuma. I don't understand how this deal has come about considering he's on loan at Everton and Leon have gone to Villarreal and said, well, can we have him? And they've said, yeah, but you'll have to talk to Everton. Um, Valentine Barkle, that deal to Brighton, I think is done. And um, West Ham are not interested in re-signing Jesse Lingard, which we obviously knew about yesterday. Leicester are trying to sign Stefano Sensi. That, again, we had that one yesterday. Manchester City and Manchester United have both been watching FC Copenhagen's 18-year-old Rooney Barjki. Um, I think Brighton meant to be strongly interested in him as well. It looks like Gabriel Mascardo is about to make a mistake and leave Corinthians to join PSG. Um, Unai Emery has said that Callum Chambers and Bertrand Traore can leave Aston Villa this month, but that there's no plans to send uh, Jan Duran on loan. Benfica are closing in on a deal to sign Alvaro Fernandez from Manchester United. Looks like it'll be a loan with an option to buy, perhaps. What else do we have here? I don't know why people keep asking Pochettino about a new contract for Thiago Silva. The best thing Chelsea could do is let him leave. Marquinhos has been recalled by Arsenal from his loan spell at FC Nantes. He hasn't been very good for them at all, so not not a surprise. Um, David Datrofana, yeah, looks like he is on his way to Burnley. I think it's a good signing for them. They need someone that can put the ball in the net, and hopefully that's going to be him. They also need to find themselves a centre-back. You've got to find a centre-back in this window. Uh, Dominic Solanke has been named the, PF, the Premier League Player of the Month. Eddie Howe has said that, they, that Newcastle might have to dip into the loan market because they're very tight with FFP and they don't really have the money Sebastian Keel of Borussia Dortmund says we don't have a buy option for Sancho but you never rule anything out we know what kind of market value he can generate so yeah potentially um, let's see what else we can find here uh, David Onstein has an interview with Actually, no, he didn't do the interview. Someone's done an interview with the uh, the Copenhagen kids. So check that one out. Mike McGrath, have you got anything for us today? Um, Luton have shown interest in deals for Reading pair Nelson Abbey and Tom Holmes. Really, really harsh what's gone on at, at Reading. But they'd be good moves for both players. They would be good moves. That's pretty much our lot. That's pretty much our lot. So we'll go to break. When we come back, we'll have Guy Drinkle. See you in a sec. Right. Welcome back. And we are joined, as always, on a Friday by Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? A bit nippy today. It is cold. It is cold, it must be said. However, thus far, other than Monday, we've escaped any kind of bad ice where I am. Um, and the temperatures moving forward are actually predicted to go up a little bit than what they were the other day so that's promising we do have flurries of snow threatened for tuesday and thursday of next week which is minus crack but you look it could be worse guy it could be worse um we could all live in burnley
0: And that is a beautiful segue to the first game.
1: (laughs) That's the only purpose of that. It was not a shot at the people of Burnley. I've been to Burnley. I've been to your stadium. It's a great place to go and watch a game. It was just a little segue.
0: Yeah, sure it was. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, first game is in actually a couple of hours, a few hours as we speak, and that is Burnley against Luton, Dave. I mean, we had this game early on in the season. Obviously, the reverse way around, it got delayed. Um, and I think that's when most people thought Luton were basically one foot in the in the championship. And it's turned mm-hmm. out Burnley never built on that result. And if anything, Luton did, which is very strange, but um, a huge game nevertheless.
1: Yeah, this is a massive game for both sides. Burnley have to win tonight. They're four points behind Luton. And Luton have a game in hand. Now, it is a way to Bournemouth, so it's not an easy game. No game is easy for for Luton, to be fair. But Burnley have to win this one. As we go into this game, they have no Kulayashu he's done for the season, no Charlie Taylor, no Ekdal, and no Jordan Beyer. So that's a big blow. Then we're looking at Luton. No marvellous Nakamba. It looks like he's going to be done for the season. He's barely played this year, but he's got a meniscus issue and he's had an operation, so he might be done for the year. Reese Burke, he's still out. Dan Potts is still out. Jacob Brown is still out. Uh, Issa Kabore is away at the AFCON and obviously with Tom Lockyer. We'll wait and see what happens. Uh, He might never play again. Forum-wise... Luton have won two of the last uh, last five, taken six points from the last 15. But those results were pretty big. Like, they felt like big wins. Beating Newcastle at home and then going away and beating Sheffield United. And obviously they came off the back of two really s- strong performances against Arsenal and against City. And then they played Chelsea in the most recent Premier League game. And they gave them plenty of scares as well. So Luton have been really good at home. Away from home, they haven't been great, but they did win last time out on the road to Sheffield United. Burnley have taken four points in the last 15. Now, they gave uh, Villa a really tough game last time around in the league. Uh, They lost to Liverpool, but they went and beat Fulham 2-0 away from home, which is a really good result. They lost to Everton at home. They drew at Brighton. The mixed bag for both. Given Burnley are at home, and given I would imagine the pressure on Vince and company is really starting to build internally, like it would, it surely would have to be, unless they've just accepted that this is part of the process, that they're going to go down, keep as much of this team together as they can and come back up. This is going to be a really tough one. It looks like they have David Datro Fafana on the mm. way in from Chelsea on loan, which, as I've been saying, they need someone to put the round thing in the net. And that's a very talented young player. So maybe between him and Lyle Foster and Anna Saruri and Zeki Amdoni, maybe they can generate enough goals. But we'll have to wait and see. There's no guarantees. What I will say about this um, Burnley team, because I've been looking at it, and I'll talk more about it next week, is I do think there's a really bright future for them, even if they go down. They'd have a rough year. They'd have a really rough year financially because they obviously lose the Premier League money and they'd have to be trying to hold on to as many of these players as they can. But come back up, add a couple more, and there's so much potential in this squad. I I think the outlook for them is actually quite bright. The short term, though, this season is is obviously going to be a bit of a slog, but I'm going to pick them to win, I'll say, a 2-1 win, a narrow 2-1 win.
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting game. It might not be the highest quality, but you've got Luton who could go out the relegation zone, and Burnley who could be the start of their season, which is a boring cliche, but it could be, as you say. Um, But, yeah, there is a lot of talent there. Um, but that's
1: the thing. Like, as bad as it's been, they're eight points off Brentford, nine points off Forrest, and Forrest are facing the threat of a points deduction. Mm. You've also got Everton there are five points ahead, and there's no guarantee Everton won't get another one either because they're believed to have breached again. So, you know, there is still hope. There is still hope. They just, they just need to start getting results. You've got 18 games left. You've got to try and find 25 points to give yourself a chance. That will get you to 36, which will give you a chance at survival. And you've got 54 points left to try and do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever way you work that out, whether it's that you win seven and draw four, I know that's a big ask. It's a big, big ask. But I feel like that's what they've got to do. And it needs to start tonight. It needs to start at home against Luton. You need to try and make that home ground of yours a tough place to go. Because thus far, it hasn't been. Like, thus far, teams have enjoyed going there. You've played 10 home games in the league and you've won one of them and lost nine of them. And the one team you beat... Sheffield United, the only team worse than you in the league. So everyone else that's gone there has beaten you. And some of them have gone there and beaten you very, very heavily. So now you've got to start turning it around. You've got to start picking up points and you've got to use your home ground as the basis for that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, just for the listeners, these are these in first three games are all on TNT Sports for some reason, just, just to annoy the regularity. Um so, yeah, that's on TNT. Moving on to Saturday then, Dave. What's the name of this derby? Is it just the West London derby? Is that what we call it? It's the confusing derby
1: because it is West London, obviously. But Chelsea Football Club are not based in Chelsea. They're based in Fulham. So it's really the Fulham derby. Um, It's not... Not what you'd call the um, most.
0: Not harmful. the old. It's not the old firm.
1: <laughs> no, no, it's not the old firm. That's a good way of putting it. It's not the old firm derby uh, in terms of in terms of how the fans treat each other. Chelsea just, you know, Chelsea don't really view Fulham as a rival. It probably means more to Fulham than it does to Chelsea. This week.
0: and way. QPR. Either side's bigger rivals, if I remember correctly. I, remember.
1: Uh, I would say almost certainly. And then yeah. you've got also a, a, a building rivalry between Brentford and Fulham in West London as well. Um, but yeah, QPR historically, certainly for Chelsea, because they were in the Premier League with Chelsea for many mm-hmm. years and the, the Old Division 1, they would have historically been uh, bigger, rivals, bigger rivals with Chelsea. And then... Obviously, in recent years, they've been in the championship and such with Fulham, and there's a little bit of a little bit of needle that goes on there, so yeah I mean look west london has is well represented with four good clubs um there's probably more I just can't think of them at the moment, but there probably is more of a rivalry between q p r and both of these clubs than there is between the two clubs themselves.
0: It's also one of the most dominated fixtures. Uh, I think it is the most dominated fixture one way or two, Chelsea's favour in Premier League history as well. I think that's what... Uh, I think it's Duncan Alexander said on the Totally Football Show this uh, yesterday. So... But history doesn't really mean much, Dave, considering the state Chelsea coming into this game in terms of randomness that they are.
1: Yeah, I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get from Chelsea is the thing. Uh, you're, you're right. Fulham have won two of their 37 games against Chelsea. Chelsea have won 23 and 12 have ended in draws. So, uh, you know, there's no real rivalry there when one team dominates the other. And I believe the last 20 games, Chelsea are unbeaten. Um. So, you know, it, it has been all very one-sided. They did obviously play earlier this season and Chelsea won that game at, the, at Craven Cottage. Um, but like Chelsea, they're just such a mixed bag. Dreadful against Borough during the week. So in all not likely mm-hmm. they turn up and play well here. Still loads of injuries. Uh, no Fafana, no James, no Kukurea, no Lavia, no Sanchez. Ben Benwabadi Ashile, they're hopeful of having back. Ben Chilwell is back in training, but probably won't be ready. Chukwemeka is getting closer to returning. Ogechukwu is out. Chalaba is out. Nicholas Jackson's away at AFCON. And Christopher Nkunku is injured, um, having obviously missed most of the season so far. He's now got a hip issue, which is probably a result of the knee issue that he had, you know, compensating for it. But yeah, there we go. Um, for Fulham, no Adama Traore. He's injured. Harrison Reed should be okay. Tim Ream getting very close to return, so he should be okay soon. Calvin Bassey and Alex Awobi are away at the AFCOM, which is a big blow. Uh, Foto Balotore is gone as well, but he he doesn't really play for them. So um, you just you'd have to fancy Chelsea. You'd have to fancy Chelsea. They're at home. They're marginally the better team. And no Bassi. Well, no Basi does mean Diop and Tosin at centre back, which I think is a pretty strong pairing. But Noah Wobi's a big blow. Like he's been vital to them in midfield this season. I'll, I'll go Chelsea to win 1 0. I, I don't think it's going to be a great game to watch. And as I say, that it's probably going to end up
0: in like 4 3 or something. Well, that's the thing. It depends who clicks, because I think. If cold Palmer, as he's now dubbed, which haunts me. Is that, because uh, he, is that because he did the shiver thing? I don't know which came first, but it needs to end. It does way. need to
1: end. It's horrendous, especially after the sitter that he missed during the week.
0: Yeah, but it does feel like if he doesn't score, who the hell scores?
1: Oh, there's no goals in that team. But I said mm. that to you in the summer. Yeah, absolutely. There's no goals in this team. Like, look at the squad. Who is getting you goals? Raheem Sterling... And after that, I mean, Cole Palmer has scored some goals this year, heavily aided and abetted by his ability from the penalty spot. But you look through the squad: Enzo's not a big scorer, Mudrick's not a big scorer, Mudeki's not a big scorer. And Nicholas Jackson's gotten some tapins this season, but he's gone.
0: Didn't four of them come in one game?
1: <laughs> yeah, do you know what? Do you know what I mean? Like, and Ben Chilwell's probably
0: there. their third biggest threat.
1: <laughs> he legitimately probably is, and like. It's just, I know Chelsea fans are convinced that, like the thing is as well, right? It's not just that there's no goals. There's nobody creating the goals. It's not like they've got a striker. I know Jackson's had some misses this season, but it's not like he's getting golden opportunities game after game. It's not that they're just poor in the penalty box. They're poor in the opposition final third. And they're hopeful that Nkunku will solve all of that by himself, which he's just not going to. And as I continually say, I don't think the Caicedo-Enzo pairing works particularly well. I think there's too much overlap. So it's just, it's the island of misfit toys. This is a whole bunch of square pegs and a whole bunch of round holes. And it's not going to get any better in the foreseeable future because this owner's an idiot and he's going to go and he's going to try and spend more money. And frankly, the best thing they could do is not spend another penny. Build out with this group for the remainder of the season. Personally, I wouldn't be allowing Datro Fafana to be going on loan. I'd be saying to the manager, put him in the team and let's see what he can do. They've brought back Andre Santos from the loan at Forest, which didn't work out. I'd be saying to the manager, put him in the team, and let's see how that works. Because I actually think him and Enzo, and him and Caicedo, mm. would be good pairings.
0: He was good in preseason. It was a bit running, very very good. promising. Yeah. He is a
1: huge talent. Like of all the young players that they've gotten outside of like the star names, like your Enzos and your Caicedos and whatever else. Of all the young players, including Mudeki and Parmer, and Fafana and Washington and whoever else, he is the biggest one. Like, he is the biggest talent of that group. He's 19 years of age. He's already been capped by the Brazilian senior team. He is an all round midfield dynamo. And I genuinely feel like if they put him next to Enzo, that's a pairing that could work really, really well.
0: And then just chop and change Caicedo and Enzo, depending on how much defending they've got to do. Exactly. You know? So it's, a just... a, it's a bit of a 220-odd million pound dilemma, That not it? Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's
1: just insanity.
0: But, like, if you if you kept
1: Fafana, now you can go into the second half of the season. You can give Jackson. You, we, we've seen Jackson. We know he's not going to work as a nine. We've seen Bro here. It doesn't look like he's going to work. Yeah. You've got young David Washington. Why not give him a run? Why not let him have two or three games in a row? And let Fafana have two or three games in a row? And see if one of them just manages to click. See if one of them
0: shows Mm. something. I'm pretty pretty sure they're quite high up in the table in terms of XG, which springs to at least some creativity in the team. So it It makes their pieces. Yeah. See, the thing as well,
1: remember, though, is XG is heavily predicated on just the shot. So yeah. they've had a, quite a few penalties this season.
0: That's so true. their XG
1: is going to be high just from penalties. Um, but there's a lot of talent in the squad. It's just,
0: it's not getting used at all. It's I, I always think- strange, isn't it? Apart it from is. the Frank Lampard season, they've never brought through talent. Yeah, I know it's money. I know it boils down to money, but you, like, that Paraguay, uh, para, is it Pears, the Paraguayan lad? I think Henry Pears, yeah. Like, one of the biggest world's uh, young footballers going to there. It's like, you could have went to any club in the world and you go to the ones that don't develop players. Yeah, that's the thing. They, that they don't develop
1: young players. Like, in all likelihood, unless he comes over and from day one is a megastar, he's going to end up on the bench or on loan like the whole mindset of that club mm-hmm. is wrong. I said, when that owner bought the club, the best thing he could do is to strip them down, invest even more money in their Academy, use that incredible, incredible Academy, the like the best talent producing Academy in Europe. And let's see what you can build. And then you add as and when you need to, but like, why not give the opportunities? Look at the players that are knocking around that came through Chelsea. Like Michael Alise, who left because he didn't see a pathway. Jamal Musiala left because he didn't see a pathway. Mark Gwehi left because he didn't see a pathway. Ficayo Tomore the same. Like, if you had Tamore and Gwehi at your club right now with Levi Colwell... That's a really good back three, and it would have cost you zero. And you'd have um, Trevo Chalaba, and you'd have, what's the young centre-back's name? Bashir Humphreys.
0: You'd have Livermento as well.
1: (laughs) (coughs) You'd have Tina Livermento at right back. You'd have Lewis Hall at left back. So all of a sudden, you'd have a really good back five that cost you nothing. And you'd have Rhys James, obviously, as your starting right back. And you'd have Ian Mattson. So now you'd have nine defenders that cost nothing. And that doesn't include Tariq Lamptey, who came through their academy. Do you know, like, I just don't understand why they are so averse to giving these young players opportunities and building with their own homegrown players.
0: Yeah, it's a very weird club. Very weird club. And they even have Strasbourg now where they could put all these youngsters. So there would be at least somewhere to see them. But yeah, very strange. Anyway, we'll move on to the only other game on the Saturday, which is at half five. And it's Newcastle hosting Man City, Dave. I feel like if Newcastle weren't destroyed by injuries and fatigue, this would be a much more interesting game. We saw the 4 all last season, if memory serves. Um, And it usually does become a good game, this. But, I mean, Joel Linton's just got added to the injury scrap heap, hasn't he? And he's a huge player in games like these. Um, I just don't see how this Newcastle scrap heap of players at the minute will deal with... A pretty freshly reinvigorated um, city with Doku and De Bruyne, et cetera, coming, just coming back.
1: I, I think Newcastle are in a bit of trouble at the moment. Um, four defeats from five in the Premier League, obviously went out of the EFL Cup as well. Um, did beat Sunderland in the FA Cup, and, and you know that was great for them. But like you said, picked up more injuries. They're only a point ahead of Chelsea and Wolves. Um, obviously we've just talked about Chelsea so if they beat if they beat um Fulham i think they're going to well they will be ahead of Newcastle by the time Newcastle kick off and i think they'll end the weekend ahead of Newcastle and you'd have wolves a point behind with a game in hand bournemouth four points behind with two games in hand again they might not catch them but that's not the company that Newcastle want to be in Uh, City are missing John Stones Erling Haaland and have doubts over Kanji and Jack Grealish Um, they should have Bernardo Silva and Calvin Phillips back the tune though I mean this is just Sandra Tonali obviously suspended Nick Pope out Jolington out until March Joe Willock out until mid-February Elliot Anderson till mid-February, Harvey Barnes till mid-February, Matt Target till mid-February. Jacob Murphy is out, uh, Callum Wilson is out, and Javi Mankia was out. That's a lot of players. And the ones who are left are exhausted because Eddie Howe is running them into the ground because he hasn't yet figured out you can't play the same way against every single opponent. I think they're going to get beaten here, and I think it could get a little bit embarrassing for them. If City are on, and as you mentioned, the most important player they have is KDB, and he's back now, and obviously Rodri's there. So that's their two best and most important players. That's the two players that makes everything else click for them. I think Newcastle could get walloped here. I'm going to go 4-1 to City.
0: Do you think that'd affect Eddie Howe's job?
1: I I think he'll see out the season. But I think he's done. I think Eddie Howe is done at Newcastle. I don't think there's I don't think he's there next season. Because they're not going to get top four. As it stands, even Europa League looks unlikely. Unless he wins the FA Cup. Which is a possibility. I mean, they're, they're more than capable. They've got a really good group of players. And by the time we get to like the semi-finals and final, Nick Pope would be back and you'd hope that a bunch of the others would be back. So they could win the FA Cup and that might save him. But I think he's done there. I think this is his last season as Newcastle manager. I also think it's Gamerish's last season with the two. I think he's going as well. I think they have to sell him?
0: Yeah, that report came out. Didn't yeah, it? They I mean that, that's that's
1: the words of their their own CEO. Mm-hmm. You know that they'll have to start selling some players to to turn them into new players, not not to balance books or anything, just to turn them into new players um, because of how that allows them to get flexibility in terms of the accounting process. Mm. Um,
0: well, if they get a 100- hundred if someone pays their his release clause or at least somewhere near it, that's going to be 80 to 100. You've got his replacement in Tonali. Ten- exactly. And if you were
1: to turn, let's say they sold Gamerish, right? So their, their current midfield is Sean Lang- Longstaff, Gamerish and Jolington. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Joe Willock for depth. And that's kind of it. I mean, Elliot Anderson and obviously Lewis Miley but they're both very young players and Elliot Anderson's out with a, with a stress fracture. So you need to be careful with him and you need to be careful with Miley because he's only 17. Yeah. But let's say they sell Gamerish and they get, let's say they get the hundred million. And then they turn around and say, right, Tanali steps in for Gamerish as the six. Let's use that hundred million to upgrade on the eights. And let's say they went and they got Manu Kone from, Gladbach and Kefren Turam from Nice. Mm. You'd probably get the two of them for around 75 million. And all of a sudden, now you've got a starting midfield of Kone, Tonali and Turam. And your backup group is Willock, Longstaff and Jolington, plus the two youngsters. So now you've got a really, really strong eight man midfield group. Individually, none of them are as good as Gamerish, but collectively it's a better group than you have now. And then you still have twenty five million to go and add a piece somewhere else. You know, to go and maybe find a long term centre back, or maybe you go and you put it towards a young goalkeeper who you can bring in and develop behind Nick Pope to replace Nick Pope in eighteen months' time. And if you were to do that and get that goalkeeper, and let's say you went and you bought John claire Tadebo from, from Nice, maybe you did a double deal with them and got him as well. Well, now, with, with one expenditure of your own money and the reinvestment of a sale, you'd have an enormously improved group. You'd have Pope, Livermanto, to Debo, Botman, hall That's a really strong group. Plus, you'd have the experienced Shar, Trippier, Dan Byrne, Matt Target. So, you know, defensively, you're set. You'd have your young, promising goalkeeper behind Nick Pope. You'd have that midfield I mentioned. And up front, you've got Isak. You've got Harvey Barnes. You've got Gordon. Let's say that's your starting three. And then you've got... Almiron, Callum Wilson, and the like. And Jacob Murphy, maybe, just, just for on paper. But Joel can play there.
0: Well, if they're if not they, in Europe, they don't need that many They don't groups. need
1: huge debt. That's the thing. They won't need the huge debt, but they would still have it. So that even if they did deal with injuries in the future, because they do have players that are just injury prone. Like, but that's a really strong group. And all that would be is an expenditure of maybe $45 million to get to Debo, but all of a sudden you've got four new players there, plus Tenali coming back. So basically five new players added and only one taken out. Now, admittedly, it is your best player taken out, but like, look at West Ham. Sold Declan Rice, used that money on Alvarez, on Kudus, and on Ward-Prowse. And they're a much better team because they've reinvested that money. Newcastle can do the same. That can be part of how they grow. And I feel like if they were to do that, sell Gamerish, turn that money into two midfielders and a young up-and-coming goalkeeper, and then whatever budget they actually have themselves, you go and get a really, really high-end centre-back. As anything else left over... Go and find some more Yankubu Mintas, you know, those really promising 17, 18-year-olds that are under the radar from, you know, off the beaten track a little bit. The, the gambles, you know, the, the player you buy for, yeah. the Brighton buy, you buy him for five and you hope that eventually you sell him for 15 or 20 or 25 or 50. Stick if you a get pin, looking.
0: random country in South America. That's not one of the big ones. And just pick up some players. Literally, do
1: you know? Like, find the next Julio and CISO coming out of South America. Mm. Don't, Don't worry about Brazil. Don't worry about Argentina. Go and look at Ecuador and at Paraguay and at Uruguay and find the next big thing coming out of those countries, Bolivia, Colombia, Chile. Find the next big thing coming from those countries. And all of a sudden, you're going to be so much better off because you'll have improved for now and you'll be building out for the future. That's what Newcastle need to do. And the other thing they need to do is they need to hire somebody, anybody who's got a good in-depth knowledge of Chelsea's academy, and they need to start building out their academy in a similar way. Because while the Northeast is not London for talent, there is a shitload of talent up there. And because of the, the geographical limitations, Newcastle's range would be quite big. They're, they're not going to be as limited as say, as, say, a London club. So they could put satellite academies all over the North and start to hoover up a lot of the good young talent. Because like we see really talented young players coming through at Borough, coming through at Sunderland, coming through at Newcastle. But we see so many more that end up at Liverpool or United or wherever because they just they don't get picked up by Newcastle early. Two need to be building a wall around the northeast, and making sure that if there is a big prospect anywhere, that he's theirs. And they need to start scouring Scotland as well and trying to get the best young players up there and bringing them down early and getting them into their academy. That's how Newcastle can, can build for the future and how Newcastle can become what they want to be. Hoarding Gamerish, while, yes, he's your best player, Yes, you want to keep your best player. It doesn't make sense for them long term. By the time they're going to be a title-caliber team, he'll be like twenty-nine, and he won't have any resale value. Sell him now; you get maximum value for him in the summer, and it it will help you build out. And like, it doesn't have to be Manu Kony or Kevin Turham. I was just thinking about them yesterday. Because I was thinking with Tonali there, what I want is I want roadrunners. I want legs in there. I want lads that will go box to box. I want one who can carry the ball. I want one who can go and get me the ball. Put them in with Tonali and let Tonali play his natural game. And with Tonali, he'll always want to press and win the ball. Manu Kone becomes the perfect foil for him because he can slot in at the six and keep your defense protected and you'll have balance there. So that's where that came from.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a massive summer for them. Um, Either way, I think. Um, Where are we up to? We're moving on to Sunday then, onto Super Sunday, so the Sky Sports lads are back. Um, Everton hosting Villa Dave. Everton, we mentioned kind of in in passing with the uh, Burnley-Luton game, they could be in the relegation zone by the the time this game starts, which they could obviously get out of it in this game, but it'd be Mm -hmm. a big optical thing for them. Because the 10 points, I think everyone was like, Yeah, they'll be safe. But this would be the first time you'd maybe think, oh, it has caught up with them.
1: Yeah, it has. Like, three defeats in a row, this could be four. The, the 10 points when it was kind of on its way, and then when it landed, it, it did give them a big spur. I still think they'll be okay. I still do think they'll be fine. But they're in a rut at the moment, for sure. Um, you look at them, they've won eight games this season. That's as many as Wolves and Chelsea have won. But they've lost 10 because of the, the three defeats in a row. Um, they had been really strong defensively, miles clear of the other teams in the bottom half. Now they're, they're kind of catching up to those teams in terms of goals conceded. Going into this one, Everton still no Deli Ali. He's got a he's picked up an injury, unfortunately, because he, he obviously so long out comes back. He's trying to build himself up. He gets hurt. Um, no Dwight McNeil. Potentially, that's a huge blow. Ashley Ashley Young looks like he is going to be out. Dakure is a late fitness test. That that could be a big blow. And Idrissa Ganagay is off at AFCON, but I think they've looked actually better without him. I think the Garner Onana De midfield looks better than the one with with Idrissa. Uh for Villa, no Amy Wendy no Tyron Mings, Luca Dina out. Pau Torres hopefully back soon. Yuri Thieleman's hopefully back for this one. And Robin Olsen is out, but I mean he wouldn't play anyway. Bertrand Triori obviously gone to Afcon, but sure he's been injured all season. It's hard to look beyond Villa. I know they haven't looked particularly good in their last three games. The draw with Sheffield United, the defeat at Manchester United, and the win over Burnley, That were all poor performances. But they are second in the league. And a win here will put them level on points at Liverpool. If they were to win 10-0, actually no, 9-0, 9-0 would put them top uh, by goals scored. Um, would have the same goal difference as Liverpool but they've scored the same number of goals as Liverpool right now but they've conceded 9 more so a 9-0 win will put them top but uh, that seems very unlikely I'm going to go 2-0 to Villa I think it will be a t- actually I'll go 2-1 to Villa I think Everton will get a goal Villa are just they're not as good away from home but I still think they beat Everton it would be no surprise for Everton to win this game but I'm going to go Villa 2-1
0: yeah, interesting game. Um, certainly. Uh, moving on to the big one, then, or well, certainly on paper, the big one we have United hosting Spurs. Dave Spurs bit of a facelift in the last week with the two signings mm. and, and Eric Dyer going, which we should add. Uh, and United Radcliffe blah, 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 boring stuff nobody cares about because it's not really going to change much in the show. going
1: to change anything at all. It's not going to change anything at all. Uh, Eric Dyer leaving is is as good as a new signing for Spurs. Um, United, no Malacia, no Mount, no Lindelof. Shaw is a doubt. Amrabat's at Afcon. Martinez still not quite back, but getting close. Eriksen, I think, is back, so that's a that's a plus for them. Ahmed Diallo should be okay. Anthony is a doubt, which could be a bonus for them. Uh, Maguire should be back soon. Martial is out for a while. I think he's sick, so he should be okay. And Casemiro is is making his way back. They're looking at having almost everybody back in the next sort of two weeks. Um, so then the cribbing and crying about forty seven injuries to his you know first eleven mm. can stop. Spurs are without O'Nana, a lot of. I'm
0: people. guessing Onana is not going to Africa now. He, I, I don't know.
1: I don't know what, I don't know if he's allowed play this weekend. I don't know what's happening. Like, think
0: he's think Cameroon basically that. just told him it went off.
1: <laughs> I hope so. They should have done. They should have done. But what they should do is go to FIFA and say, he's refused to come and join us. We don't want him playing for his club side. Because other t- other countries have done that in the past.
0: Yeah, I mean, it well, didn't matter. It
1: happened with, Matthew. It happened with Ishmael Assar when he was at yeah. Watford. So he was injured. And Watford said, we're not sending him to the AFCON because he's injured. And Senegal were like, right, well, he's not allowed to play for you, so he's suspended. Because I think he was due to come back like two weeks later, which would have been a week into AFCON or something. So Watford were like, all right, well, here you go. We'll send him over. Sent him over. The injury turned out to be um, worse than they thought, but he played and got re-injured and then came back and ended up missing like a month or something. So just very, very strange. They should get him now. To be fair, if they want to punish United, they'd let <laughs> him play. So,
0: My, you know. how bad and like it's kind of harsh. And it's not, I think it's bad management from um Ten Hag, shock horror. But that the young Turkish lad to go in the summer, how must he feel?
1: Oh, yeah, he's got to feel terrible. Jesus, like from what I like, I don't know much about the lad, but. From what I've read, he's actually a talented goalkeeper and he's quite highly rated. And um, people were like, oh, that's a, a big move for him, but he'll, he'll he's definitely up to the challenge. And he's gone there. He's been given the number one shirt, which is kind of funny, um, considering he was clearly bought to be the backup. But he's played no minutes at well, against all. against Wigan. No, he's played four games this season. They were all for Fenerbahce before he made the move. But, like, it's not like he was a lad who was a prospect when they bought him. Like, he was at, um, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. He was at some Turkish club that begins with Anka and then there's another load of letters after that. I'm not going to try and pronounce Mm, them. And Andrew (laughs) Spa. Um, So he played 17 games for them in in the top flight, having helped them get promoted into the top flight. He earns the move to Fenerbahce. And in four years there, he plays 141 games in all competitions, including, sorry, 145 games before this season, 141, including 20 in, in European competition. So like he has loads of experience in a good league for a massive club. Like, Fenerbahce are a huge, huge club. And you're not playing there regularly if you're garbage because the fans will come onto the pitch and physically remove you. Mm. So he's obviously a talented goalkeeper. He has been capped eight times by his national team. He was a regular for the under-21 national team. And he's come across... And he's sitting behind, arguably, arguably the worst goalkeeper in the league this season.
0: Well, he, he, single me in that single-handed, he single-handedly knocked him out the champion of the Champions League. So. Has, he, has he? Let me just check and see. Has he played at all? I don't all think it. he has because he didn't. Wigan was the first FA Cup game and they got, who knocked him out of the FA, uh, the League Cup? West um, Ham? Newcastle. Uh, Palace? Palace. I think I could be wrong. But no, they they beat oh, Palace played... Reserves, didn't they?
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They they did. They, they beat pa- Oh, was it Villa? I on. May may need to look this up one second. This is great radio. Uh Manchester United twenty-three twenty-four. EFL Cup, Newcastle beat them 3-0. Yeah, they hammered they hammered oh, the, the Palace the ball. Reserves.
0: <laughs> Sounds about right.
1: And Newcastle came in and, and smacked them round the place. Um a Yinder, here we go. I'll type a Yinder. Uh, Premier League, no minutes. FA Cup, no minutes. Champions League, no minutes. EFL Cup, no minutes. 90 minutes in the Turkish Super League and 270 minutes in the Conference League qualifiers? Yeah, that'd be right. Wouldn't it? Yeah, Fenerbahce in the qual- uh, Conference League. So yeah, so zero minutes for Manchester United while Onana, who has been dreadful, like genuinely dreadful, has played 29 games. He has been utterly hopeless. And yet he's in the team every single game. And Beinder just can't get a sniff. Bizarre.
0: Mm, wouldn't surprise, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes out on loan or something. Because yeah, he's almost, if you're not going to play against Wigan, let just taking the mid. That's the thing. Like, why did Onana have to stay?
1: This is clearly Onana not actually wanting to play for Cameroon. And but
0: if that's say, the case, say that. Don't say, "Oh, I'll play Wigan oh, I'll play Spurs, and then the same day I'll go play." But like, on, here's the Cameroon. thing:
1: right, the Afcon is starting tomorrow. Mm. So why did why did Salah and all the other players have to leave their clubs on the? The first of January. Well the that's the thing. January. I think
0: was it West Ham who had the game the day after the cutoff and you're like so On the Monday Anna? night.
1: Yeah, yeah, on the Monday night, Agar wasn't allowed to play and Ben Rama wasn't allowed to play because and kudos. and kudos, yeah, because of the cut off. And yet there's Onana, oh, he's gonna join up after the first game, he's yeah. You know, no, he's he's just not going. And what he's done is for the second major tournament in a row, he's walked out in his country. Like he walked out on them in the World Cup. Which, to me, leads to very serious questions about him and his character. Have the decency to tell Cameroon you're not going to play. I'm sure they won't mind because you're not very good anyway. Um, I knew we'd go off on a United tangent. Anyway.
0: Nah, we did <laughs> one tangent my ass. We did like three.
1: <laughs> Spurs are missing a bunch of players as yeah. well this weekend. No Perisic, no Velez, no Davies, no Solomon. Madison working his way back, but not, not ready yet. Basuma and Sar, both the AFCON is a huge blow. Sun obviously at the Asian Cup and La is injured. So yeah, not great. I'm guessing. I'm guessing Dragazin, if assuming he's been registered, is is thrown straight in. Now I don't know who'll play. Oh, Van de Ven is back, so it'll be those two at centre back. Is my guess, unless he just you know wants to ease Dragozen in and play mm. Emerson Royale. But you might as well just chuck him in. You might as well. It's it's against United. They're awful in attack, and you, he's a big physical centre forward, so he'll Hoyland he'll deal against, well with Holland
0: against Wigan. You couldn't help the lads score. <laughs> That's
1: that, they could have taken the goalkeeper and two the defenders away, and he still wasn't going to score horrendous, The poor. I genuinely feel bad for that kid. Like he's when he scored his first Premier League goal, loads of people were giving him stick, been like, "It's only a goal in the league game." But like the guys at Manchester United, one of the biggest clubs in the world, with an enormous fan base of online dickheads who are slating him day in, day out because he hasn't scored a league goal yet because they're entire demeanour is to slate everything bar the manager. Um, so I understand the release of emotion when he scored the goal. Fair play to him. Um, this is a tough game to call. United are at home but they're just not very good. They've lost three of five. Four points in the last 15 available. Spurs have won four of their last five. So after that bad wobble they had. They have bounced back. They did obviously get tonked at Brighton, but just just a bad day at the office. Um, I'm going to go Spurs to win. I'll go Spurs to win. I'll go 3-2 to Spurs. I don't know where United are getting two goals from, but Timo Werner probably,
0: probably Emerson is in the back.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, if he starts, there's, I mean, there's a goal given straight away. Uh, Heusberg will probably give them a goal as well. He'll turn around and see uh, Hoyland and just think, oh, look, it's international football. I'll give it to him. Um, <clears throat> Timo Werner
0: probably, probably starts for Tottenham after his loan move. Him and Richarlison is going to be the best. It's either going to be the funniest thing you've ever seen or it's going to work somehow. Imagine if it works. It's
1: brilliant. <laughs> Just imagine how much fume there'll be. Just utter um,
0: confusion.
1: Imagine if Timo Werner comes in and just is brilliant, like he was at Leipzig prior to joining Chelsea. Imagine if he comes in and brings his very best form. How annoyed Chelsea fans will be. That alone will be will be must see TV. Uh I'm gonna go three two to Spurs. And that's the last game? And that's it, only five games in the Premier League t- this weekend as we are in this weird break thing that they're doing. So we get five this weekend and five next weekend. We'll also have FA Cup replays during the week to fatten out the schedule a bit. So that's at least that's fun. Um, but commiserations to all Premier League teams who drew their third round FA Cup. You don't actually get your break. So, you know, tough. Um, we'll be back on Monday. Take care of yourselves. Have a good weekend. Bye bye.
0: Network.